Well, I'm really glad we get to take some time today to kind of wrap up this series on grow. I don't know about you, but um, it's really been a great uh, season to think about this idea of what does it mean to grow in our faith and what does it mean to have a growing faith in Jesus. And I want to thank you. I've gotten so much incredible feedback over the last few weeks from this series And um, I take that in a lot of ways, but I really take that as a huge interest from so many of you uh, who have a deep desire to grow in your faith and grow to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And so um, I want to let you know if you've missed a week, uh, you can always go back and listen online uh, or through your app. But also in the at-home center, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, every month I put out books that kind of go along with a series that, that we're teaching on or preaching on in this room. And so if, uh, if you're interested in reading more or learning more, there's obviously way more on spiritual growth than I could ever say in three or four or five weeks. Uh, feel free to go back and you can check out at least uh, some of the resources that I uh, have been drawing from and looking to these last few weeks and enjoying reading as well. Uh, has anyone ever told you to grow up? Okay, don't look at your spouse, but I just want to ask the question. Has anyone ever asked you or told you that it's time for you to grow up? That's kind of something we say when there's a person around us who's like not acting their age. Maybe they're acting in a way that's inappropriate uh, for how old they are, and you, you look at them. Yeah, we do this with our kids, right? Like I do this with, with my kids, I'll be honest. Probably not my finest parenting moment, I'll confess that. But there's times when your kids are acting out of control, and you're like, just, would you just grow up, you know? It's like you're seven years old and you're acting like a three-year-old or you're whatever years old and you're acting like this and you, you know better. You're more capable. You can act better than this. You, you're, you're more mature than this. That's what we mean. And normally when we say something like, you know, will you grow up? What we're doing is we're calling somebody out, right? We're, we're, we're saying that you are not acting in a way that's consistent with who I know you are and how mature I know that you are. And so we say that. And, and if you've ever been the recipient of those words, you know like how harsh they can be sometimes to, to hear that. But the fact is, sometimes we need to hear those things. It's also true that with our kids that, that they're just growing up. Uh, I mean, if you're a parent or if you're a grandparent in the room, you know this is true. Like these kids are growing up so fast. I noticed last week on, uh, on Facebook and Instagram and other places, so many uh, parents and people posting pictures like this one of, uh, of Mary and Amelia, the, the Wortman kids, um, who uh, it's like your first day of preschool and your last day of preschool, and you can kind of see how much they've grown. Uh, we also had this picture of um, one of our friends uh, that, that just graduated, and it was her kindergarten graduation walking off and then her high school graduation. You can see, you know, how much... A child has grown over the years. And, and it's easy to see in our children uh, what happens as we grow. And it got me thinking, like, I wonder, I, I know this is impossible, but, but if you could, you know, if you could take some sort of like snapshot of your, of, of your spiritual life this time a year ago, and then put it side by side, a snapshot of your spiritual life today, would you see any growth? You know, we can do that with our children, but if you could do that with your spiritual life and put up a snapshot of where you were a year ago and a snapshot of where you are today, spiritually speaking, would you see any change in maturity? Would you see any change in growth? Would you see any change in what's happened over the course of a year? And I think the challenge for you and for me as believers and followers of Jesus is that we're always growing in our faith. 
And over the past three or four weeks, we've talked about this, right? We've talked about what it takes to grow. And it takes time over time to put yourself in a position to grow in knowing God. It takes uh, roots, being rooted in the, the rich soil that is the love of God. It takes air. You have to breathe deep the breath of God. It takes light. You have to turn towards the light if you want to grow and become who Christ wants you to be. But uh, we've said all of those things, but I'll be honest with you, we've left out at least one, maybe more, but at least one very, very, very important ingredient. Haven't we? I mean, we've talked about this. And and all these things that we've talked about up to this point, they really kind of happen on your own. There's this idea and there's this deep idea. It's a a true idea in following Jesus and Christianity and your spiritual life that a big part of you growing spiritually happens when you sit at the feet of Jesus as your ever-present teacher and you take time in solitude to come to know him. And I don't want even for a minute to, for you to doubt that idea because that is truth. Like you have, there's no way around it. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, you have to spend time with a man, okay? That's how it works. But, but there's a way in which I think that we different from all the plants that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Because I can take a seed, I can put it in some really good dirt, I can water it, I can put it in the sun and give it plenty of light and all those good things. And, and even if I just put one seed in one cup and put it out there in the light in one pot, it, an amazing thing will happen. It, it, more than likely, it's going to grow. And it's going to become something beautiful. That's the way seeds work. That's the way plants work. They can grow into a thing of beauty all on their own. But you can't. I can't. You see, you were never created to grow all alone. Let me say that again. You were never created to grow all alone. And if I had to guess, some of us in the room are probably struggling with this very thing. Like you, 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 just, you just go down the checklist. It's like I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm journaling, I'm doing all these spiritual things, I'm you know, spending time with Jesus, but I, I just don't feel like I can get to that next level, that next step or that next place with, with God. And I don't know why. And, and, and I would, if, if I could sit across from you in the coffee shop, I would probably just look at you and just say, well, there's one thing you're missing. You, you were never created to grow all alone. And that may be symptomatic, and we've talked about this before, of, of just what it means to like be a Christian in America where we really value independence and we really try to do everything on our own and, and we give accolades and awards to, to every individual accomplishment under the moon and we celebrate those things and, and highlight those things. And even in the Christian world where you've got all of your favorite worship artists on Spotify and you can listen to any of your favorite preachers because you probably have somebody other than me on your podcast, you know, you can turn inward and you can spend all this time, right? Trying to grow your spiritual life and all these things are good things. But if you turn so far inward, then you've missed something because you, you were never created to grow alone. You You were created to grow together. And this is the way God designed you. That you grow best when you grow together. That you grow best when you're in community. That that all of this other is important, but this is also essential. That we grow best when we grow together. And so the last four or five weeks, we've we've been looking through 
Paul's words to this group of believers in Ephesus. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to open to Ephesians. And we're going we're gonna to look again at some of his words. Because what he's saying over and over again, he, he's encouraging this church, this group of first century believers, that, uh, to, to grow in their faith. This, this group of first generations, that, Christians, that, that, that they would begin to learn what it means to grow in their faith and their understanding of Jesus and who he is and his desire for them. And so if you have your Bible or your apps, turn to Ephesians 4. It'll be on the screen behind me as as well. Ephesians 4, let's start in verse 1. And I want you to hear Paul's words to to these Christians, these believers who are trying to grow. Ephesians 4, verse 1, he says this. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Do you hear in Paul's words, his language here, like this this earnest desire for unity? For those who believe in Jesus to be one. Like this is what sets us apart. In the world around us, there's lots of factions and fractions. There are people who disagree on everything from politics to even religion. And we all have our opinions and our positions. But when you walk in this room, when you walk in this door, when you belong to a a church, there's something that happens. Because in this place, in this space, as we gather as God's people, we are unified under one Lord. We are his body. We are the church. And and don't misunderstand this. This isn't a call for uniformity. This isn't a call that we all agree on everything. This is a call to unity, which I believe is so much better, isn't it? Because you and I, we may not see eye to eye, and you and I, we may not agree on every single point or every single thing, But what you and I do agree on is that I love you more than I love my position. And I love you more than I love my opinion. And I love you the way Christ loves you. I love you in a self-sacrificial, cross-shaped way. And it's that kind of love that calls us into unity. Not uniformity. Into unity. And so you and I don't have to agree on everything for us to worship King Jesus together. Because we agree on this one thing, that Jesus is King And we want to love each other the way he loves us. And that is what sets us apart. That's when the world looks at us and says, what is so different about those people? How are they so unified? And it's because we know that we gather around one truth that is above every other truth. And that's that Jesus is our king and we are his body. But it keeps going on. Skip down to verse 11 with me. He says, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 13, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be, get this word, mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. 
What Paul's saying here is that here's the deal. You are Christ's body. And so what Christ has done is he's given you all gifts. And we've talked about that even recently in this church, what it means to be gifted as a person and be, have the gifts of the Spirit revealed in each one of us. These are the gifts that Christ has given us. And Paul says these gifts were given to you, not just for you, but to build up the church. And so I have a responsibility to use the gifts Christ has given me to bless you. And you have a responsibility to take the gifts that Christ has given you to bless each other. And we have the responsibility, all of us, to use the gifts that Christ has given us to bless the church and build up the church. This is the way the gifts of Christ work. They're given for all of our good and for his glory. In 14, he says this, then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever. They sound like the truth. And so this is the moment that I have to ask you a really difficult question. Are you an immature Christian? Are there areas in your life where you are exhibiting immature behavior? Because I think in a sense right here, what Paul is trying to say is it's time to grow up. I think what Paul is trying to say is stop it. Like, for those of us who make up this really messy thing called the church, it's imperfect. It's not ever going to be perfect. We're, we're just, we are who we are. We're humans. We're all messed up. We get that right. But there's a sense in which we are called to step into spiritual maturity and to grow up. And to grow up. And so when you... I mean, there's lots of ways to define immaturity, right? But the way Paul seems to define it here is whenever you're so given to teaching that's contrary to what you know is true about Christ and you're quick to, to double-think that, when, when you're so quick to believe those people around you who are spewing lies and yet you're so quick to jump on board with that, when whenever crisis comes or tragedy hits or trouble faces you and you're so quick to lean into fear and not faith, that is what Paul, I think, would call spiritual immaturity. And what he's asking us to do is to grow up, to lean into faith instead of fear, to lean into what we know is true about Jesus above every other thing and to be identified as people who if we say what we, if we believe what we say we believe, it literally changes everything because our hope and our confidence and our truth is found in Jesus. And then in verse 15, he says this, when you do this, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of this body, his body, the church. Let me just read this verse again, because I think this is the linchpin to the whole deal. Verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who was the head of his body, the church. I think what Paul might be saying here, and see if you track with me on this, that, that when we speak the truth in love to each other, this is how we grow in Christ. Okay? 
When we speak the truth and love to each other, this is how we grow in Christ. So you can't do it by yourself. You need people around you who can, who can do this for you because, get this, if this is true, then the absence of truth speaking into your life equals the absence of growth in your life. Uh, what you may not know here, because this is kind of a subtle thing in, in the actual language, but the word truth is actually a verb. Like, and so what Paul is asking you to be here is a truther, if I can say it that way, or that we participate in truthing, that we, that we are people who speak truth into each other's hearts and lives. And that when we do this, when we participate in this activity of speaking the truth in love to each other, that this, this is how we grow in Christ. He's calling us, I think, to, to grow together because he knows we can't grow alone. This is how it works. So, so I need you and you need me and we need each other. If we're going to actually grow in Christ because we grow best when we grow together, you were never, ever created to grow alone. I've got a friend who um, a few years ago went on the world race. Do you know what this is, the world race? World race is a year-long mission trip, basically. It's 11 months. And every month you go to a different country, okay? So you can just imagine, those of you who are going on, some of you students going on a mission trip this summer, you have to raise money for that. But to raise money for a year-long mission trip, that's no small feat. And so there's lots of preparation. There's lots of prayer that goes into it. And before the team goes on this year-long mission trip, or literally around the world, they have to spend a lot of time uh, together in preparation as well. But when they get on the trip, one of the coolest things happen. Uh, the team leader every day, at the end of every day, they pull the team together and they do a thing called feedback. Now just imagine this. This happens every day for this year-long mission trip uh, over the course of the year. This happens. They gather together at night in a small circle in the, uh, in the apartment, in the, in the dorm, in the room, by the campfire, wherever they are. And they do this thing called feedback. And I, and I asked my friend to remind me, what were the rules of feedback? How did this work? And and this is what she told me. She said, well, first, you gather in this group, and your job is to speak into each other. And so first, feedback can only be constructive, never negative. The second one is this, and I love this. In feedback, you always call each other up, not out, into who God is already calling you to be. In feedback, your only response when you receive feedback are the words, thank you. And then if for any reason you need clarification on the feedback that another team member gave you, when it's all said and done, you have to go to that one person directly. And I don't know about you, but that sounds an awful lot like the kind of community that both Paul and when I read Jesus, what Jesus is calling us into. This kind of community where we don't call each other out, but we call each other up. This kind of community where we can speak the truth in love and then we can receive that. And when we hear that, we can say, thank you. And this kind of community where if we ever needed clarification for what someone was trying to speak into us, that we could go directly to them and get that clarification because we believe and we trust that what they want for us is for us to become who God is already calling us to be and become. Wow. I think that's just powerful. And it made me wonder this week, you know, when is the last time, you know, I, you know, when's the last time you 
invited anyone to speak into your life truth? When is the last time you sat with someone and asked them to call you up, to, to look at your life and say, is there any area of my life where, where maybe it's a blind spot? I don't even see it, but I'm not living up into who Christ wants me to be. Can you help me? Will you speak truth to me in love? And then for you to receive that and for you to grow up into Christ because of that. And then he ends this way in verse 16. He says, when this happens, Christ, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. You hear that? So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Here's what I believe is true. I believe at the center of God's heart is a deep desire for you to grow because at the center of God's heart is a deep desire for us to grow. And I tell you, I, I really believe, well, I'll say it this way, I really want this church to grow, but the reason I want that is because I really believe God wants this church to grow. Because the, the alternative, it just doesn't work. There's no other option. At the center of God's heart, is that a desire for you to grow because at the center of God's heart is a desire for this church to grow. So if you're not growing, then we can't grow. And if we're not participating in speaking the truth into each other's lives, then we'll never, ever grow. Because here's something that's true, but it's so hard for us that transformation requires confrontation. Transformation requires confrontation. Henry Cloud wrote a book called How People Grow, and he said this. I think he's right. He said, while some criticism can be judgmental, direct, loving criticism is a necessary part of spiritual growth. In fact, where there is no confrontation, growth is seriously hampered. Don't be afraid of truth. It hurts, but it heals. If we're honest, this is the one thing that we probably resist the most. Because if anyone is critical of us in any way for any reason, it's so hard to receive that and to grow because of that. Have you ever seen a bonsai tree? There should be one, a picture of one on the screen behind me. Bonsai trees are these beautiful things. It's, it's like a, a work of art, right? But a friend of gave these to me. These are, I don't even know what you call these, but these are, this is a special tool. <laughs> it's a fancy word for it. That you use to trim and prune. And the word they use uh, when, you, when you research this whole idea of bonsai trees is they call it, how to, this is how you train a tree to grow. As you look at a bonsai tree and they're so beautiful, but in order for it to become this beautiful piece of art and this beautiful creation that it is, it takes someone who would come alongside it with these, these little pruning scissors here and to trim off different parts of it, some healthy, some not. And to help it grow and lean and point and become what it is. But the reason that this is so hard for us as people is the idea of anyone coming alongside of us with a pair of these and giving anyone in our lives permission to come along our side, 
come alongside us in our life with a pair of these. It's scary, isn't it? We don't want, I mean, the truth is we don't really want God pointing out what's wrong with us, and we certainly don't want people coming along pointing out what's wrong with us and asking us to change things or to cut things out or to remove things. We're, we're so defensive and we're so quick to assume the worst of people. But there's a truth in Scripture that I want you to hear today that we need this. We need each other. And for transformation to happen in your life and for transformation to happen in my life, for us to grow and to become the beautiful creation that God wants us to become, we have to be willing to allow other people, trusted voices, to come alongside of us. I mean, let me just ask you this. Who are you speaking into right now? Who? Who? Who who are you taking to coffee? Who are you meeting with? Who are you pouring into? Who are you speaking into right now and helping them become who Christ wants them to become? But then the second question is this, right? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Who, Who are you allowing to come alongside you and speak into you and call out in you, call you up into who God wants you to be? I mean, I think at all times as people who are followers of Jesus that we really have two, these two dynamics going on, right? That we should always be speaking into someone else's life, speaking the truth in love. And we should always allow someone to speak in our life, to speak the truth and love into our lives so that we can grow and become, so that someone can come alongside us and train us and teach us and prune us and shape us into who God is calling us to be. Into who God is calling us to be. One last story. In Arizona, the desert of Arizona, there's this biosphere. I don't know much about this. I'll just tell you what I know. It's in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the desert, and they've created this habitat for plants to grow, for these fruit trees to grow. The problem was, is that as the trees would develop the fruit, they would always drop them too early before the fruit had fully matured. And so the scientists, the researchers got to looking at it, and what they figured out is that inside of this biosphere, everything was perfect for their growth, except one thing was missing. You know what it was? Wind. And because there was no wind, the branches never developed the strength they needed to carry their fruit until it was fully mature. And I think the point is simple. If you and I don't have any wind, any resistance, anyone coming alongside of us to make us better, to call us up into who God wants us to be, then we'll never really grow and we'll never fully mature. Here's what I believe is true. We we grow up when we speak up in love. We can grow up when we speak up in love to each other. And as we wrap up the series today, what I want to call you into is relationship with each other. Into not just coming to church, but into being the church. And to loving each other enough to call each other up into who God is wanting you to be. Church, if you would, stand with me. The good news is that we can do this. The good news is that this has been God's desire and God's design and God's plan all along. And so what I want to to invite you to do this week is to find somebody that 
that you can do this with, that you can join with, and that you can speak truth into their life and let them speak truth into your life. That you can enter into this sort of holy moment where you can love each other enough to be truthers in each, other, in each other's lives. To speak truth into the life of someone that you care about and allow them to speak truth into your life. Because when we do this, we can truly grow and be transformed more and more in the image of Christ. It's kind of this invitation into a refiner's fire where God makes us more of what he wants us to be through others. Because there's a sense, right, in which you can't grow you. And there's also a sense, and this may sound weird, where Christ can't grow you. Because there's this sense in which God has created you in such a way that you don't just need yourself to step into a moment and you don't just need him to do something in you, but you need the people of God to come into your life to help you grow. And that's the invitation today, that you would grow. Let's sing.